Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right, theme verse. Do you know this one already? Have you seen it before? Let's uh, read it together. If you can say it without reading it or try to look away as much as possible to kind of get it in your heart, I'm really hoping that we can, at least a good chunk of us, can memorize this by the time I'm done this series. I don't have very much left. Uh, so let's do this. John 17, 3, let's do it together. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. So, so far we've covered uh, knowing God is eternal life. I uh, won't go through all of that again, that we need to listen up, cultivate our hearts, be ready and listening to what the Spirit has to say to His church, uh, to us as individuals. And then last week, you know, we, we've you know, talked about does God still speak, moving into making the case for the still small voice. And then lastly, uh, last week, we started comparing it to other forms of learning, uh, because that's often what we look at. Is hearing God reliable? And I hope by the end you started realizing how it stacks up against any other form that we can learn from. Uh, whether that be books or science or psychology or wise counsel. Oh, I should, I should say last week I had, a, I had someone ask me afterwards if I was against, uh, because I gave a story about a multi-level marketing thing that I got into and how that was a really bad choice for me. They asked, is multi-level marketing, are you against all multi-level marketing? And the answer to that is no. The decision I made as a youth, I was against that. It's not a business model that I'm against. It was the choice that I made. So that's just to clarify that in case. I always say if one person is asking, maybe there, maybe there was more. Uh, but moving on, wise counsel, books, science and psychology, and even the Bible. There's disagreements on all sorts of information and knowledge and wisdom that comes out in the world. And so we have to be uh, diligent. I'm hoping that one of the things that we take to heart is that it is on us uh, to be, to be a people of discernment. And we need to be asking the Lord to help us discern what is true because our world is full of many voices. There are many voices and many things that are going to tell us this or that. And you go on the internet and depending on, I mean, they have algorithms uh, that are looking at the things that you are into and making sure that there's lots of articles and things being pulled up that are in line with your beliefs. But you can find, you can find truth about almost anything. And we even looked at how the Bible, and the Bible is infallible truth. Absolutely, yes, it's totally reliable. And yet, even there, Christians, well-meaning Christians, can disagree on doctrine. We can read the same verse and interpret it differently. And, and that is why we need the Holy Spirit. That's one thing that we've talked about. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance the things that, that uh, Jesus has taught to us. I was reflecting on that in John again today and, and his even conviction and showing us truth, leading us and guiding us into all things. We need the Holy Spirit to be guiding us in truth in all of these areas. So today we're going to start by looking at why we need to hear his voice for knowing him, and then we're going to continue on with um, going through all the boundaries. I have a whole bunch of different pieces for the boundaries, but I wanted to quickly make the case for why do we need to hear God? Right? Like, why is it absolutely vital? So we know knowing God is eternal life, and we've talked about communication is important. Uh, but it, it's important that you see two main reasons, uh, and there's more. I'm not saying that this is an exhaustive list, but there are two main reasons I want to look at uh, for why we need to hear God. And the first one is uh, so that Christ can function as our Lord and King. And we talked about this lots uh, last week, but I wanted to finish it up because it's important. Um, so that he can be our Lord and King. 
He has actually a purpose for you. And one of the things I was praying, even when we, we were, you know, praying about Bill C7, is that, you know, if God has, if you woke up today, and everyone that's listening, you woke up today. Amen? You know what's amazing about that? The fact that you woke up today is that God gave you breath. His word is sustaining you. That's why you're still living. And that means that you are here on purpose. And if you are here on purpose, you are here for purpose. And, and I love that, right? I'm, I'm reminded of that often in my mornings that I'm spending time with the Lord, that I'm here on purpose and for purpose. And because of that, I want to be able to hear God, to hear what his purposes are for my life. And so I can follow them, and it's a joy to follow him. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Forceful men lay hold of it. And it's important that part of him being our Lord and King, he is our commander. We're in a spiritual war. Can you imagine being in a war and not being able to have communication with your commanding officer? Would that work out? It'd be anarchy, wouldn't it? It would be anarchy, and I I can't imagine. I've never been in a war, but I can only imagine it would not be very effective if one side was just everyone was running off in their own direction doing what they thought was best and hoping to kind of hit the mark. Right? Sometimes we oversimplify. Well, I mean, it's not that hard to follow God. You just, you know, you just, you just got to move in that general direction. That'd be like going into battle and saying, well, it's not that difficult. You don't need a strategy. Why would you need a strategy? All you need to do is fight the enemy. That's easy. It's one thing. No, you need strategy. You need strategy for how to fight the enemy. You need to know where they are and what they're doing, and you need to have a plan. If you're going to be successful, and Scripture says, 1 Peter, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. We've looked at this before. Seeking someone to devour. He is active. Don't you want to be able to know how to thwart his plans? He's, being pl- he's taking the time to plan. We need to be planning as well. And to do that, we need to communicate with our commanding officer, our Lord and king, not just our savior. So fighting against him requires strategies and plans. Isaiah 55, and this is why it's so important. Again, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, right? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. Amen. That is so true, and that is again why we need to be able to hear his thoughts, not just our thoughts. We need God's thoughts, We need to know the direction he is sending us in. And this is not just an Old Testament idea. Of course, there's lots of examples of of the Israelites in the Bible receiving specific instruction on how to go into war and how to go into battle or how to do a whole host of things. But even in Acts, it wasn't just willy-nilly hope for the best, aim in a direction and and hope it works out. We see in Acts 16, uh, 6 to 10, as uh, they're going through through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Well, that's interesting. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So they're going to go to Asia. Note the Holy Spirit says no. Then they come to Mysia, and they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus says, no, don't go in there either. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't we think that evangelism is evangelism, preaching the word is preaching the word? Go anywhere, like just find a direction if you're going to do something in the name of the Lord, that's good enough. And yet here we find twice the Spirit of the Lord is saying, no, don't go there. Right? Now, obviously, is there anything wrong with ministry in Asia? 
No, absolutely not. God was going to reach them later. Of course not, but the Holy Spirit had another plan, and that plan was Europe. He had an order. He had a strategy. He had a plan. It wasn't just kind of shoot, you know, in a general direction and hope for the best. And that's important, but they wouldn't know that plan until after they obeyed. You know, a story that we uh, used to hear lots here, but we haven't heard it probably in a while, but I think it's, uh, now I get my north, east, south, west a little bit confused when I'm standing here, but bear with me. Uh, Years ago, before this church was the size it is now, right, when it was still the original phase one, the soccer pitch, which is on the, never eat shredded wheat, east side? Is that east? Trav, help me out. Is it on the east side of our building? South. Thank you. So then we were going to have it on the north side? Thank you. Anyways, sorry, I'm getting help from my (laughs) brother-in-law. Anyways, the soccer pitch, the entrance was going to be on one side, and the Holy Spirit said in a word to Pastor Ray that they needed to move the soccer entrance to the other side, that they needed to petition the government or the, you know, city, city council to move it. That didn't make any sense at the time. It didn't make any sense at the time. But our job is simple, and this is what I love about following the Lord. It may not always make sense, but our job is simple to listen, to trust, and to obey. It is simple. It's simple enough that a child can do it. And so they went and did it, and they moved it. Little did we know that with all the different expansions, we would not have been able to have the building that we have today had the Holy Spirit not given that word and Pastor Ray had followed it in obedience. You ever wonder what kind of things we may be missing out on in our own lives because we're not listening to that still small voice? Now, I'm not saying that every thought, we've covered that already, not every thought is the still small voice from the Lord, but we need to learn to be a discerning people, absolutely yes, but He is our Lord and King, and it's important that we are listening to Him. But there's a second reason. So, Lord and King is one reason we need to hear Him as we grow in knowing God. Uh, But the second one is so we can function as our Father. And this is also critically important. Uh, God called Abraham, Moses, and His disciples friends. You know, we sometimes sing about that or think about we are a friend of God, right? Remember we used to sing that song? I'm not saying we should again, but I am a friend of God. How did it go again? No, it doesn't matter. Stay focused, uh, right? But I am a friend. When you look at the, the biblical requirements, though, do you know why they were called friends? Because they did what he commanded them to do. It's kind of going right back to, so now we're seeing this relational side of God wanting to be our friend, our father, right? But even that was tied into obedience, which is important. So you see how the, the two points, Lord and King and Father, right? Only Savior and functional Lord, they're, they're, they're intrinsically tied together. They're married. You can't separate them. But anyways, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that the relationship goes even deeper than friends. We can actually call him Father. We're even told to come to him crying, Abba, Father. And we see this intimacy that he wants. Believers are called sons of God, God's children. Matthew 5, 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Love that idea. So God wants to have a relationship with us as a father. But without communication, how can you have a good relationship? You can't have a good marriage without communication. Now someone might be arguing and saying, well, actually, we have no communications. It's pretty sweet. I'm talking about intimacy. I'm not talking about not fighting. So maybe you can avoid fighting if you don't communicate at all. But you can't have intimacy and oneness without communication. How do you get on the same page? You can't. You know, and the same is true between a father and a son or a father and his daughter. Right? Probably one of the biggest problems that fathers have today is that they're distant and they don't communicate with their kids. Right? That's probably one of the biggest problems. And yet, our father isn't distant. Right? In fact, in Acts, it says that he's actually not that far from each one of us. 
right? We're supposed to, that our purpose on, on the earth was to seek after him and, and perhaps even find him. And then he finishes it off by saying, and he's not even that far from each one of us. He's close. He's near. He's near and he wants to communicate. And that's very important for us to understand. And some of the things that he wants to communicate to us, uh, the Heavenly Father assures his children. Absolutely, yes. He assures us. He warns us of danger. I remember years ago, and I've shared kind of some of these stories in my testimony, but uh, I remember getting a warning in a dream, actually, of these bears that were coming and attacking our family. I won't go into the details on that, but it was terrifying. I woke up, and my heart was beating and pounding, and I felt very strongly that there was something in my house that was giving an entry point for the enemy to come in. And so what did I do? I went back to sleep first because I was still tired. And then when I woke up again, (laughs) I brought it into prayer. (laughs) So I'm just being honest. Uh, Then I went into prayer and I started praying. And I said, Lord, what is this warning? Like, I felt like what he was saying is there's something that's compromising in your house. And I began to pray and he actually started convicting me on a bunch of movies that we had in our home. They weren't blatantly bad, but they were just, you know, some of those things that, well, they're fine. You know the kind of things that you, you hold on to and compromise because, well, it's not that bad. Shouldn't we question ourselves a little more when we have to say, well, it's not that bad? Anyways, this is years ago anyways, but, but so what did I do? We listened and we prayed and we asked the Holy Spirit. He showed us some, some movies there. We went and just got rid of them. Removed the, uh, removed the compromise and then that was over. So I love that. He warns us, but he also comforts his children. Uh, years ago, I, I met with uh, one of my friends. Uh, met her, her and her husband actually through Four Winds, but... I met with her on the one-year anniversary of her father passing away. And you can just imagine what she was feeling in that moment. The pain, the loss, the grief. And I remember just talking to her and not knowing what to say. What do you say to comfort someone like that? And she, didn't, she wasn't totally sure. Like, you know, my, my father, my dad talked about giving his life to Christ at the end of his life, but the way he lived, I just... I don't know. I don't know. Was it enough? And so I didn't know what to say. So what did we do? We spent some time listening. We asked the Lord to speak. He can speak to his kids. And right away she got a picture and she just said, I I see this very large mansion. And I said, okay, so you see a mansion. So we asked the Lord, what do you want to show her about this mansion? And she said it zoomed in like this and it zoomed in onto a balcony. And on the balcony she saw Jesus standing there uh, with her dad. And she knew instantly they're together, and she was fine after that. Now, by fine, she wasn't fine in the sense of still feeling the grief and the loss, but suddenly she had hope. Suddenly she knew things were going to be okay. That is the Heavenly Father comforting his children. And he does it often through that still small voice. We can hear him, and it's not always through, the, through prayer like that. Maybe it's through a verse. Right? Have you ever had those verses as you're going and you're reading scripture and suddenly there's a verse that speaks directly to you? I had it happen this morning. And I just couldn't believe it. I was journaling this morning and, and I'm writing one thing and I'm, I'm doing my prayer back and forth and I'm having a conversation with the Lord. And then suddenly another brother-in-law, Lance, Lance actually sends me a passage of scripture that almost word for word was what the Lord was just telling me. I think I felt comforted. I felt major comfort. I felt encouraged. I felt lifted up. I felt close to the Father. Then I just couldn't wait to come here and preach. (laughs) Oh, so good. Anyhow, but the Heavenly Father, He counsels His children. He counsels us. He is the great counselor, the shepherd, speaking into wounds and to pain within your life. 
right? Drawing out the death in you and putting his life in you. That's who he is, and he also disciplines us, right? And he says that if we're not disciplined, then we're, then we're not even his children. All of God's children, Hebrews 12, we're all disciplined by him, and I love that. It's because he loves us. He's dis- disciplining or discipling us to become more like him. And I think that's a wonderful process. Of course, you know, he guides, he provides, teaches, motivates, protects, encourages, forgives. This is not an abstract thought, Not an abstract thought, absolutely not. He meant it in a literal sense. He wants to be your father. He wants to have a relationship with you, intimacy. So you have on the one hand, Lord and King. Absolutely yes. On the other hand, Savior, Father, Friend. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. So to have such an incredible fellowship with him, we do need to be able to hear his voice. And I'm under the belief that we all hear his voice. I, I just think, I mean, when I've met with people and helped them learn, right, because people often want to learn how to hear God, um, what I have found is it's not usually me teaching them to hear God, it's usually me just helping them identify where he's already been speaking. Because that's who he is, he's a good, good father, he's already speaking to you. That's why when we stand before him, everyone will have had a chance, he has already been speaking to every person. They've already been responding to him in one way, shape, or form. That's my belief anyhow. So boundaries are important as we're now learning to go into now practicing hearing God so that we can have him as our Lord and King because Lord and King, now we're talking about direction, right? We're talking about getting direction for our lives and that can be a scary thing. What if we go in the wrong direction? It's a very good point. That's why boundaries are important. And what if the direction we're going in affects other people? Also a very good point. And then on the other side, we also need to be able to hear him speaking to us in, into our own spirits, uh, personally, relationally, and in intimacy. So boundaries are important. So I just want to give a quick caveat on the boundary part, because when we talk boundaries for hearing God, I don't want you to hear we put God into a box. He can only say this to you, or this to you, or in this way. I don't like doing that. I, years ago, I had someone ask me that at a retreat uh, back in Pinawa. And they said, you know, I don't like what you're, you're implying that we have to put God in a box. And I said, heavens no, I would never do that. In fact, I don't even think it's possible. I don't th- how do you put God in a box? Right? How can I, s- do you think actually that any of us have the ability to keep him from doing what he's going to do? If you do, you, you greatly overestimate your power. Governments don't have that ability. All of the kingdoms of the earth don't have that ability. He is sovereign God. After all, the boundaries are here for who? They're here for me, and they're here for you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> gotta laugh. Poor John. <laughs> All right, so we wouldn't stop driving because someone crashed their car, would we? Would you? No, we all drove here. Well, I hope you did. Maybe you didn't. Walking, we're almost in walking weather, right? But we wouldn't stop driving because someone abused that. We wouldn't stop eating because someone was a glutton. Absolutely not. Would you stop taking medication because some people abuse medication? No, you would just try to learn to use it in the prescribed way and in a way that is healthy. And the same is true as we approach uh, boundaries with hearing God. So let's take a look at the boundaries. Uh, There's three categories of boundaries that I want to look at uh, here this morning. The first one is examining our heart, guidelines for listening, and then guidelines for sharing. So I'm going to put them all underneath boundaries for hearing God. So those are the three categories. Now the first one we covered last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, However, I am going to unapologetically say it again because this is the most important one to start with. 
Who is Lord? You want to really grow in knowing God, this is the most important question to ask. Who is Lord of my life? Last week, I, uh, I had someone send me a, uh, just a little bit of a short testimony, and I just loved it because it's so similar to a testimony that I have, but I'll share uh, hers, not mine. And this is what she sent uh, last week's, about last week's message. The Lord master owner part was going deep in my, in my heart. I'm starting my day now saying, Lord, please take over the throne of my heart in every area. Saying that, I want to share an experience that I had this week. I got hurt emotionally from a person, and it wasn't the first time. It's happened maybe a half dozen times uh, over the last few years. As the person asked for forgiveness, I could not say anything. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe the first time, or the second time, but now it keeps happening. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's what she was feeling. I could totally relate to that. I think all of us can relate to that, right? I don't know what to say, so she stepped back and asked the Lord to help her. I felt, and this is what she writes, I felt like Jesus asked me, who is sitting on the throne? A bit surprised, I told him, you, Lord, and he told me, I've already forgiven him. Do you want to do the same? Oh, I love that. At that moment, she, she reports feeling a joy to go and say, I forgive you. I love that. That is why this is such a critical piece to start with. It's simple. I think a lot of the times we're, we're robbed of much of the joy in our lives. I'm not saying joy is something we feel all the time. We're, you know, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. For I've overcome the world. Our, our ultimate peace is coming from him. But I, this is the problem, and this is why the Lord question is so important. I'm just going to make one visual, and then I will continue on with the next bunch of points. All right. You can see me now, right? So this is the problem when you're trying to serve two masters. Right now, if I was going to suppose left leg with the brace is me, that makes sense because it's broken. Uh, Right leg is the Lord, right? Not broken. All right, so suppose I'm going to try to serve both legs, but they're both going to move in a different direction. Like right now, when I'm debating this, it feels pretty much the same, right? Okay, so what if I, well, I'm just going to, well, I kind of want to go left, so I'm going to go left here a little bit. Oh yeah, but I guess I should go right a little bit here. Well, right now I'm still kind of serving two directions. Are you following me here? Okay, I'm serving two directions. Right now it's weird, but it's not like I'm in pain. I could do this. I could manage my life this way. It's weird, but I can manage. But suppose I continue to want to kind of go in my direction on this side. This left really looks good and tempting. I like a lot of what's happening here, but I know I should also follow the Lord. Are you seeing the problem I'm running into? This is going to get weird. Eventually, we're going to see how flexible or not flexible I am. Okay, at this point, I feel very uncomfortable. And I think this is what a lot of people struggle with. Okay, picture me down like that again. When we're trying to serve two masters, when we're trying to do the things that I want to do and the things that God wants me to do, we end up feeling stuck in life. And I think that's where a lot of our angst and pain actually comes from. Just like I just felt pain there now, and that's, I'm going to get a muscle cramp. Oh, anyhow, does that make sense? That's why this is the most important question. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. If for the Lord, then move both feet in that direction and watch yourself move easier. I'm not saying easily, but it's much more simple. So anyhow, moving on to the next one. Um, this is the, act, uh, the next examine your hearts. What does the Bible already say? Now, this is important for multiple reasons, but I know we often say that, you know, when we're hearing, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll cover this in a moment, you know, what you hear in listening prayer, or what you hear when you're hearing God in a still small voice, it doesn't replace what's in here. 
It's not going to contradict, okay? So it won't contradict. But here I'm, I'm actually saying, have you looked and searched the Scriptures already to see what the Scriptures are already saying about what you're asking the Lord? And I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to, we want to skip the study. We want to skip and go right to, the, you know, it's like the microwave society, the fast food society. We want to skip the hard work, and we just want to go, and I, I, I always think of it as a magic eight-ball Christian. We learn about hearing God, and we say, that sounds like wonderful. That's great. I, I totally buy into that. So now, instead of doing the, the work of studying myself and seeking after God and waiting on Him, I can just skip to asking a question, taking a thought, and running with it. And I think we, we miss some very important opportunities and steps that would help us on our, on our boundary line. So uh, what does the Bible already say? Uh, years ago, I had a, a gentleman tell me that I had helped learn, you know, to, to journal and hear God and have conversational prayer, and he loved it. And he came to me one day in joy and said, you know, I don't even read my Bible anymore. Like this, this journaling, this conversational prayer is so much better. Like I always read the Bible and it was boring and dry. And now I have listening prayer. I don't even need to do that anymore. So after I picked my jaw up off the floor, <laughs> gathered my composure, and I said, oh. And then I began to talk to him about the dangers of that. Right? How you need to hear God, yes, so you're learning to hear his voice, but you should actually learn how to hear it also in here. You need this. And there's multiple reasons for that, and I'll, I'll share a bunch of them here, and this is a non-exhaustive list, uh, but it's important for us to see it. So the Bible is important for multiple reasons. It's the plumb line of truth. We keep saying that. It's unchanging. So there's lots of things that are said in here already that can answer a lot of the questions that we have regarding purpose and meaning and even decisions. Now, it doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you lots about who God is, teaches us what God is like. Absolutely, many believers become imbalanced in how they represent God. They'll start focusing on, well, God is love, to the exclusion of, we're supposed to fear and love the Lord. He actually has wrath against sin. He's a holy and just and righteous God. And so we need to teach a balance. We need to have a balanced perspective of who he is. It's not just about teaching, but even in how we approach him, we need that balance. And the Bible teaches us that. Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, what we talked about last week. He's our Savior. Amen. He's our Savior. Absolutely. But he's also our Lord. And because of that, it's not just, will we receive the love of Jesus? Absolutely, yes. But will you also say yes to the demands of Jesus? There's two parts to this, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And obviously there's grace in the whole thing because you can't earn your salvation. It's by faith, right? We can stumble, we stumble closely to him and we're saved in the end and it's wonderful. But he, the Bible teaches us and trains us in righteousness. It sets the bar for our character, what we are to be like. Shows us God's heart. You're going to learn all sorts of things about God's heart by studying this book. You're going to see him in all sorts of different situations. And you're going to see the things that bother him and the things that excite him. And you're going to see the Father's heart demonstrated time and time and time and time again. It's going to tell you lots about who he is. We need this. The Bible corrects us. It encourages us. It exposes our hearts. The exposing our hearts. I love this one here. For the word of God is living and active. Right after talking about rest and eternity with Jesus, he talks about the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know what's neat about that? Because I'm a, I, I'm a huge proponent of hearing God, as you probably have gathered over the last couple of days, or a couple of weekends. But, uh, but the Bible, like, 
I know we look at this because there's universal word to everyone and then there's also the personal word to us, right? And the Bible, obviously, the Holy Spirit can use the Bible for both. But many times we look at, well, the answer I'm looking for isn't in here. Right? It's not in here. Well, my first question to that is, have you looked? Actually looked? <laughs> but my second response is, I actually think often there is an answer in here. We just may not have learned to look for it. Because part of what this does is not just give you the yes or no on this decision. Do I take that job or this job? Part of what the Bible does is it examines your intentions in your heart and your motives. It helps you understand the why you want this job or this job. I'm not saying it's going to tell you that. Still, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to help us learn uh, to be discerning and wise. But there is lots in here that we need. Absolutely, yes. So we, as we're approaching hearing God, we should be asking, who am I serving? And we should be asking, uh, what does the Bible already say? I think that's very important. You know, when we go, you know, we want to purchase unnecessary things and go into debt. Now, purchase unnecessary things. We all have unnecessary things. I'm, I mean more unnecessary debt. The Bible has lots to say about unnecessary debt. Did you know that? We're not going to go and have a message on that, but there's lots that the Bible says about not being enslaved to the lender with unnecessary things. So when we're going into listening about piling up a bunch of consumer debt, you actually, the Bible already talks to you about this. It already talks to you about this, and that's why it's important. I gave that example of wanting to marry an unsaved partner. The Bible already talks about that. Talks about not being unequally yoked. What about holding on to your life and holding on to your time and money and amassing your own kingdom here on the earth? Guess what? The Bible already talks about that. You might say, does that mean we're supposed to give all our time and money away? No, but it does mean that you're to recognize that they're not yours. You're simply a steward. I'm a steward. Right? What is a steward, you say? Well, a steward is someone who's entrusted property or value from their master. That's what we have. My time, my effort, my breath, my heart, my life, I'm just a steward of it. It's not my own. We were purchased with a price. The Bible talks about that too. Do you see what I'm saying? There's so much gold in here that will already clear up a lot of what we're praying and the direction that we're moving into if we'd really learn to be studiers, people that meditated on his words, right? So I think that's very important. I got to skip to the next point here. All right. Guidelines for, so those are my two examine your heart things. Who is Lord? What does the Bible already say? Good questions to ask yourself to start. Now, we can go into boundaries, guidelines for hearing God. First one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here because I think I've now mentioned this three weeks in a row multiple times. Hearing God does not replace Bible study. Are we, can I get an amen on that? Amen. Okay, then I can move to the next one. So, very important. Pick it up, study it, read it. Meditate on it. Get it into your heart. Think about memorizing. I'm not going to preach on this now, but memorizing actually imprints it on your brain. It's an interesting thought, right? Create synapses between there and actually have pathways of verses in your mind. I think it's great. All right, next one. Boundaries, uh, or sorry, uh, hearing God does not replace, or, contra- or sorry, does not replace wise counsel. This is very important. Before making big decisions, Talk to somebody and get advice. Now, you might say, I always talk to people and I get advice. Okay, who you talk to? We're talking about wise counsel, right? Who you talk to makes a difference when you're talking about wise counsel. Talk to someone that has fruit in the area that you're thinking about going into or that you want to learn. Right? If I want to learn about construction, I don't talk to someone that's in the restaurant business. Not that it's bad to talk to someone that's in the restaurant business. 
If I wanted to learn about running a restaurant, I'd talk to someone that's ran a restaurant before. If you're trying to make financial decisions, yes, we should be submitting those things to the Lord. Yes, we should be looking at what's in here. And yes, you should be seeking counsel from someone who's demonstrated wise, wise choices and wise decisions in their handling of finances. That's why you wouldn't talk to me, right? I'm learning. I'm in process on that area. So, so that's, that's very, very critical. It does not replace uh, wise counsel. Not all counsel is wise counsel. Not all advice is good advice. So make sure you choose your counsel accordingly. And then ultimately, even when you're hearing advice like anything else, then you're taking that advice and you bring it into prayer and you bring it into the Word and you bring it to the Lord and let Him speak to you on it, okay? So Proverbs 12, 15. There we go. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, I know sometimes you might say, well, what if, what if you really feel the Holy Spirit? You've got confirmation. You really feel him leading you in a direction, but it actually goes against wise counsel. This is what I would say to that, okay? If it's an exception to the rule within your life. So, you know, you, you usually rely on wise counsel, common sense is the next one I'm going to go to. You're usually doing what makes sense and following the Lord and that kind of thing. Uh, but every now and then... There's an exception where the Lord, you're taking a step of faith. Then I would say, trust what the Lord is leading you to do. As you get confirmation from others, trust what the Lord is leading you to do. But if it always looks like that, then I would start to question because the Bible's very clear on listening to wise counsel. We need to have wisdom within our life. All right. Uh, the, hearing God does not also replace common sense. This is important. So what is common sense? Uh, I got to do a good study on this. It's just common experience. I wish I could just talk about this for the next half an hour, but it's quite fascinating what common sense is because we all talk about, whoa, that person doesn't have any common sense. Or we overvalue our own common sense. Right? What is common sense? Common sense is common experience. That's all it is. So we all have common sense. Every single one of you that is listening today has common sense. Don't argue with the person next to you, okay? We all have common sense in the areas that we have common experience. So if you talk to a mechanic, and you can just kind of, yeah, briefly, I'm thinking of one gentleman, Joel Maynard, that I used to work with at Steinbeck Dodge. That guy, you could talk to him like, he had tranny shops calling him and asking, they would di- he would diagnose transmissions over the phone. And, and he would get, within 100 bucks, or 50 to 100 bucks, he could get a quote without taking your tranny apart. And you're like, how does he do that? I don't know. He has common sense. I think God's given him a gift, but then through common experience, doing it enough times, he has learned to evaluate what he sees, what he hears, what, he's, what it sounds like, the, the cause and effect, and he can tell you what it probably is. We all have that in different areas. And so we should look at what is common sense saying about the decisions that we're making. What does common sense say about how we're approaching hearing God and how we're approaching what we're doing? And that's a very important. God gave you a brain to, your, to, to learn with and to use. Uh, we need it to live. So use it. So use it. Absolutely, yes. And the next one here, guidelines here is, um, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, hearing God does not guarantee your personal success. This is a very, very important one. Because again, I really want to push against this idea of the, of the magic eight ball going into hearing God. It's not about that. You know why I love, so we can hear God, so he can function as my Lord and King, and so that he can be my Father. Real simple. Real simple. That's why we need to hear him, so we can follow him and know him. It's about him, it's not about us. 
And so that's important even as we're going into it because I have heard people say, well, I tried hearing God or I, I listened, I took a step of faith and it didn't work out the way that I thought it would, so now I don't want to do it again. Well, my question is, is it about you or is it about him? Now, I'm not saying that we never make mistakes. Don't hear me saying that. We make mistakes. I have made many mistakes. In fact, even in my journal, not this one, because I don't make mistakes in this one. It's new. <laughs> so I, I, can, I can confidently say there's no mistakes in here yet because I haven't used it yet. But uh, in the one that I have that's used, go through there and you can see stuff that's scratched out. Why is it scratched out? No, that was definitely not the Lord. <laughs> Scratch that out. Erase that and then move on to the next thing. Does that shake my faith? No, it doesn't shake my faith because it's not about me. It's about him and I see but dimly. I recognize that. But this is very important. We can't use hearing God just to try to get our own personal success. It's about advancing kingdom. That's what it's about. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That's what it's about. Uh, last year, I think in January, I actually don't know when my son got his first car. But I think he's had it for over a year now. Someone will know. I'm sure at home he's, he's answering the question and I'm getting it wrong. But anyways, let's just pretend it's last January of 2020. And he's going to purchase a car. And so he had found the one he wanted. And it's a Civic and he, and he loved it and was going to go for it. And so I said, okay, okay. Well, I always try. I'm, I'm not a micromanager. I don't even know how to be that way. But I try to encourage. So I just said, well, before you make the decision, why don't you just sit on it for at least a day, maybe two, and ask the Lord. Just pray and ask the Lord and see if there's anything he wants to say to you about this. And I'm not saying every decision you make about what to put on and that kind of stuff. I don't listen in prayer over my outfit. This morning I picked this all by myself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. Whoever did that, that was good. But uh, I did it all by myself. But this is a bigger decision. It's the biggest probably financial decision he's made up until this point in his life. I, I think that's a good idea to, to take a second and ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me about this? And so he agreed to do that, to pray. And I said, well, um, there's multiple ways the Lord could answer this. He might say yes, or he might say no, in which case, if you're sensing he's saying don't do it, then, what's, then what do you do? He's like, well, I don't do it. He might say wait, right? Maybe he has a different vehicle. Maybe it's just wait. You're just supposed to wait. Okay, I'm not getting anything clear. I'm just supposed to wait. That's a possibility. And then he might say yes. Now, as soon as we think yes, the Lord is moving me to go in this direction. Yes means it's guaranteed to work out the way I think, right? No, that's not what it means. It just means yes, that's all it means. And I said, so a yes could be two things, or it could be more, but two things that I said I can see. Yes could mean maybe this is like going to be the best first car experience that you could ever possibly have. It's going to be a total gift. You're going to talk about this with your kids and say, I just hope and pray that you get the same kind of first car that I got. And it's wonderful. I said, or, yes means that you're about to say yes to a lemon. And God has an even more valuable lesson to teach you through that. You know what I loved his response? He said, Dad, kind of rolled his eyes. I know. I don't follow him because he, because he gives me what he wants. I follow him because he's Lord. Proud dad moment. <laughs> I'm like, I did one thing right. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, Anyhow, no, that's not even me doing anything right. That's the Lord working in his heart. But I love that. That's exactly what it's about. We're following him on his terms because he's God and that demands something of us. When I first got into ministry, I thought everything was going to happen right away. We right had the meeting with my dad and we thought it was all going to move forward and it was great. And then it took three years and I felt like every door that was open was closed. 
and I was discouraged. And I remember praying the Lord, asking him why, and thinking he's going to be mad at anyone that's standing in the way. And he said, son, I, you don't wait on anybody but me. It's not about you. If you're waiting, you're waiting on me. And those are valuable lessons. It's not about my personal success and what I want and what I think. It's actually about his kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness being advanced. All right. Next one here. I got to move here for sake of time. Guidelines uh, for hearing God, and that is the greater the impact of the word received, uh, the greater the need for confirmation. You need more confirmation, and I will, I will expand on this hopefully next week on how do we get confirmation just a little bit, but I gave you this example already, I think two weeks ago, of making a job decision and how I, ta- how I got wise counsel, and I, got, I listened in prayer, and I, I searched the scriptures, and I did blind listening prayer. I made sure my wife was on board, and my son got a word confirming. I got confirmation from lots of different areas. Um, so I did that. That's exactly what I'm talking about here, because the move that I was making was going to affect you guys, because it was a move within the staff structure here at the church, and then it also affected my family. And so I wanted to make sure then, if I'm going to make a move that affects so many people, I want to make sure that it's God moving me and not my own heart. And that's an important thing. Next, uh, wait. Look at this one, wait. What does that mean? Wait, it's God's job to speak. It's our job to listen. This is probably the biggest hindrance. Maybe I should have put this under a different category. Hindrances to hearing God. And this one is the wait. Um, Something I've learned from, from my dad, Pastor Ray, and that is our job is to listen. It's God's job to speak. I have seen that. He didn't actually teach it to me in words. It was demonstrated from years of being in meetings and asking him to pray for me. He was so casual where everyone, you know, we'd be in team meetings and we'd all feel this pressure when you listen in prayer. Everyone needs to get something good, right? That guy would feel zero pressure when we listen. And many times he'd say, no, I didn't really get anything. No pressure to hear anything. Why? His job to listen, God's job to speak. Same with my kids. We use that kid example uh, many times. We use that, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't get mad at my kids if they're downstairs and I'm whispering upstairs something that I want them to hear and they didn't hear it. Right? I wouldn't get mad at them. It's my job to communicate in a way that they can hear and be clear. That said, on the flip side, if I go downstairs and get their attention and I start talking to them and they keep getting distracted and picking up their phone or they, they blatantly don't listen, I actually may be upset and that might be on them. True? It is on them. All right, so you see the balance in that. God's job is to speak and to be available, and he does that. But our job is to listen. All right. Uh, Quick guidelines on sharing words received, and then I'm wanting to also do a little bit of our practice. I want us to practice this because we just need to hear from Jesus. That's the words of life that we need to hear. Uh, Guidelines for sharing. So when we're sharing a word with others, by the way, that's at, uh, just to kind of say it for what it is, that's called a word of prophecy. When you get a revelation from the Lord, when you get a thought from him and you share it with somebody else that you did not already know, that's what prophetic is. I'm not going to go into a message on that now because we're right at the end of this message. But when you're sharing a word that you get for someone else, so you're in a cell and we're all listening for so-and-so that's sitting in front of me, uh, for John, he's sitting there and we're listening for him, we have some guidelines to keep it safe. We don't share names, dates, births, deaths, direction, or correction. Stick it with encouragement. This is, a, this is a healthy way and an easy way for us to grow together and be built up and not worry about as much of the abuses. Now you might say, what if I really sense something strongly in one of those areas? And I feel like I should, I should share it with them. I'll tell you two things that you should do. First, pray about it. God is not in such a rush, and there will never be a situation where it's so rushed that if you don't say it, God can't say it to them. True? He is sovereign. 
So pray about it. And then if you really feel like the Lord wants you to share it, you can share it with either a cell leader first or a staff person, get confirmation from others. Grace Fast has modeled this to us for years here at the church. And then lastly, do not say, God said, or thus saith the Lord. And I said this the other week, but I want to repeat it again. Rather use, this is what I sense, and then let people know if it doesn't line up with what you're sensing, discard. Had uh, heard this story, we've used it for years, a story of a, of a young man years ago that went up to a girl he wanted to date and just said, God told me that we're going to date. We don't say that here, okay? So if someone says it to you, but I loved her response. Her response was, great, when he tells me the same thing, then I'll think about it. <laughs> right? That is, that is, amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. That's why we don't say, God told me and thus saith the Lord. It's not that it's bad. It doesn't make someone a sinner to say those things. We do it, it's actually, it's graceful to the person receiving the word. It's graceful when I say, you know, this is what I sense. This is what I sense. Take it into prayer and see what you think and then go from there. But it gives you freedom to be able to weigh what you're hearing yourself and bring it to the Lord yourself. All right, uh, we're going to do a quick practice here and then we're going to close in our uh, final song. There it is. Oh, no, that's not it. That's last week's. Sorry, I forgot to delete that slide. So we're going to do conversational prayer. You'll see my little example there. If you pull out your journal, you'll see there, that's not a real example, but you'll see an S. That stands for Stefan. Lord, what do you love about me? And then question mark G stands for, for God. You can put Lord J for Jesus. Stefan, you're fun. Now, I might not actually be fun, but I was just trying to give you an example of what it could look like in your journal. All right? So take out your journals, and we're just going to take a moment and ask the Lord two questions, and then write down whatever thoughts come to mind. Then throughout the week, you can weigh them against what you see in the scriptures, and you can weigh them and pray into them and see what the Lord has to say. But the two questions are, Lord, what is one thing that you love about me? I guarantee you there's something he loves about you. He made you. And then also, Lord, is there one thing that you can show me that I need to work on or change? By your spirit, Lord, would you pour your spirit into us now? Would you help us hear from you today? We're going to worship together. Maybe you're not totally done yet. That's okay. You can keep journaling. We're going to worship you, Lord. We recognize that we're so dependent on you. And so, Lord, we don't want to... We don't want to force anything. Lord, we also don't want to be disobedient our hearts are just to do your will that's it we just want to follow you we want to know you and so lord today that's what we're saying we're saying yes to your spirit we're asking you and inviting you in i think of revelations 320 behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me Lord, today we are opening the doors to our hearts and our minds. Would you come in and be with us? We want to know you as Lord and as Savior, as Father and as friend. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204 204- 326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.